evening, Alana. This is Sherrard from the Sherrard Show. How are you this evening? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking, and welcome to the show this evening. For those who are just tuning in, we're talking to the lovely Lana Rawls. If you do not know Miss Lana Rawls, she is the wife, uh, the widow of the uh, legendary Lou Rawls, the, one of the uh, most soulful voices, baritones you ever heard in your life. And she has a very interesting story to speak about this evening, as well as her book, uh, Love is a Hurting Thing. We're going to talk about that as well. So sit back and buckle up and enjoy my conversation with Miss Lana Rawls. Um, you have been in the music industry, affiliated with the music industry for how many years now? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. So how many years have you um, been in the industry, and in, you know, directly or indirectly in terms of, um, you know, being affiliated with your husband or some of the artists that you've met over the years? Oh, let's see. B.B. Uh, King. Mm-hmm. Bo Diddley. Um, and of course, Sam Cooke mm-hmm. was a very, very dear friend of ours. Mm-hmm. And um, Duke Ellington. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's safe was, to say that it's safe to say that you've been pretty entrenched with some of the pioneers of soul music, blues music, as well as pop. Is that correct? That's correct. <laughs> And, and I sure it, have. And what was it like uh, being the wife of uh, Mr. Lou Rawls, um, who has numerous amount of hits? Um, what was it like? I'm sorry, the my doorbell was ringing. Go ahead. What'd you say, darling? What was it like being married to the legendary, um, iconic Lou Rawls, uh, the man with multiple hits, with a voice you'll never forget? Uh, well, you know, there were only three baritone singers. Mm-hmm. That was Lou Rawls, Barry White, and Isaac Hayes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was phenomenal. Of course, our meeting, I met Lou here in Houston, Texas mm-hmm. in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole story of that in the book. Because mm-hmm. at that particular time, black people were not even allowed People of color weren't even allowed to be in Walgreens. Oh, in the 1960s. Wow. Now, is that where you met Lou Rawls? Yes, I met him here in Houston. Uh Uh-huh. Now, now was he in Walgreens, or where was it that you met him? No, but I'm just saying, when we started seeing each other, he came here, uh, someone from Capitol brought him to Houston because he had done a song called That Lucky Old Son. Mm-hmm. It probably sold, sorry, Lou, in heaven, probably 10, <laughs> ten records, okay? <laughs> but no. No, that's <laughs> no it, it didn't sell, babe. It really didn't. So now, there was now, a... Why, that's, that's interesting, but why Why didn't it? Because uh, Sam Cooke actually sang that song years later. The same song. Right, but Lou was unheard of. Lou was singing at the Pandora's Box uh-huh. in L.A., Mm-hmm. And Lou had not made it big in in the field at all. Okay. So um, 
this producer that worked for Capital, uh, he was trying to sport Lou around because he was very interested in Lou. He loved Lou's voice. Capital Capital Records wanted, you know, Lou to be shown here in Texas and stuff. Well, I was dating the owner of the Sidewalk Cafe. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Kenny Rogers. You were dating Kenny Rogers? Yes. I dated Kenny. Oh my then goodness! He was, well, then, he was, me... then he was. Then he was called me... with the Bobby Doyle Trio. Mm-hmm. Kenny played a stand-up bass. Bobby Doyle played the piano, and he was blind. And then they had a drummer. Mm-hmm. And they played all over here in Houston, you know, at the dinner clubs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what drew you to to Lou? Oh, uh, I don't need to ask what um, what drew, what you you drew, drew him and you because I'm sure you know you're an absolutely beautiful woman even um and just now you know so many years later you're absolutely gorgeous but what was your draw towards Lou? You know it, it's it's hard to say, but um, this gentleman brought him there to the you know after, it was like an it was a dinner club early and then after hours at two o'clock a lot of the people here in the city would come there and listen to music till three or four o'clock in the morning with the band mm-hmm. and um so the producer had brought lou in there and the gentleman that i was dating that owned the place mm-hmm. ralph sadler uh, just fell in love with lou's voice mm-hmm. and just Oh, everybody was clapping and standing up and everything. So it was going to be my birthday in another month. Mm-hmm. And as a surprise to me, Ralph Sadler brought Lou back to town mm-hmm. to sing happy birthday to me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, now <laughs> I see what drew you in. <laughs> and as a result of that, he did sing happy birthday to me, and then um, he got him, Mr. Sadler got him to stay here, and for like a month and a half, he paid him, you know, to to work there, because Lou was just drawing a lot of people in there, and everybody just loved his voice, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Lou was, you know, like from California, and he socialized with everybody. Mm-hmm. In the cafe, well, it wasn't a cafe; it was a, a club. Mm-hmm. And but the other band members would go in in the back and sit against the wall. Mm-hmm. But Lou didn't. Lou socialized with everyone, and mm-hmm. everybody just had great admiration for him and loved mm-hmm. him and came to see him all the time. And. Mm-hmm. I don't know. One night, my dad and I did, decided to go to a movie, and we saw a movie with um, uh, Elizabeth Taylor and uh, Richard Widmark or something. And mm-hmm. uh, he looks at her, and they're in the sand, and they're talking, and he puts his hand on top of hers, and he tells her he's in love with her. Mm-hmm. And I just found that so romantic. And so when I got back to the, <laughs> to the sidewalk, 
Lou was coming around to all the tables and you know, talking, and I had my brother there. He was very young. And it was getting close to Christmas time, so Lou was doing some Christmas songs, too. And my birthday, of course, was in November. I'm a Thanksgiving Day baby. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I was born on Thanksgiving Day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's just working the room and making the room and everything, and he said, oh, well, you were, where were you tonight? And I said, oh, I was out. I went and saw this fabulous movie. And I'm telling him, and I'm, you know, I'm talking to the people and everything. And uh, I'm, I feel him really looking at me. Mm-hmm. And I start to tell him about the movie. Mm-hmm. And as I'm telling him the story, I'm looking in his eyes, and he's looking in mine. And he put his hand on top of mine Mm -hmm. and I said and then Elizabeth Taylor said to him I think I love you oh wow and he looked at me and I and he said yes and he said and what did Richard Burton say and I said he said I think I love you Oh my goodness! That moment. Yes. So, so it's safe to yes. say it was love at first sight, huh? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> You're right. It was. Holy cow! Wow. It really was, and he did. He said, "I think I love you." Now, um, Lana, a couple of things. Now, what year was this? Was this in what year was this? This um. Nineteen sixty. Uh, Fifty-nine. Fifty-eight, sixty, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, you felt you felt you felt the same about Lou when he said that. Oh, absolutely! Wow, wow! Absolutely, so- there was something uh, about. So it it got to the point where I was going to the sidewalk every night, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and one night, um, I had talked to Lou and told him that I had some friends that I knew because I was a model, too, with Revlon, that I knew that was coming in from uh, New Orleans and at the Shamrock Hilton Hotel, and they like to usually have entertainment there. Mm-hmm. And I said, so if you'd be interested, you know, after your uh, show at the sidewalk, you could probably pick up, you know, some great money there. Mm-hmm. And... He said, oh, well, yeah, would you introduce me to the people? And I said, well, sure. And he said, well, when can we meet each other and, and do this? I said, well, as soon as they get to town. And he said, oh, okay. So a couple of days go by. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got something in the air here. And... Uh, so sure enough, I called him, and the people were coming to town, and he said, okay. He said, um, and I knew when I called him, I was purposely setting this up. And why do you, you say you're purposely setting it up? Because I knew that I was in love with him, and I knew he was in love with me. Wow. I just, no. I, 
no, no, no. Let me ask you a question now. These audiences, I'm sure they're, they're very captivated in what they're hearing now. And we are talking to the lovely Lana Rawls, um, who was married to uh, Lou Rawls, um, this famous singer. Now, um, Lana, did I know um, Lou knew in his mind he was taking a, a risk falling in love with a Caucasian woman back in the uh, late 50s, early 60s. So how were you all able to navigate in a, in a civil rights movement as well as um, Jim Crow time, et cetera? Well, <clears throat> the band that was there had always seen me with Ralph, and, of course, then they got with Lou and everything. And um, Lou called me one night, and we were talking. I gave him my number. And he said, Lana, he said, uh, can I see you away from the, you know, the club? I said, yes, you can. So he gives me his address here in Houston, and he was standing out under a tree. Now, this is 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh And... um, he said, can you come by, and we, we'll sit in the car and talk. And I said, oh, yeah, sure. Okay. So he goes to work. I go see him at work, don't say a thing. And the group knew what was going on. They could they could feel it. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys was taking him home from the group, see. Mm-hmm. So they really knew what was happening. <laughs> And so, sure enough, I go and I meet him at 3 o'clock in the morning, maybe 3.30. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving over there. And as I'm driving, Lord and behold, cop cars are going around and around me with their lights on. Wow. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because I was, like, in Fourth Ward. Mm-hmm. And the cop pulls me over, and he's talking to me, and he said, Honey, um, you know, what's going on here, and so forth and so on. I said, Oh, my God, I'm so glad to see y'all. And I put on this crying act, Mm -hmm. and I said, I was trying to get to Hobby Airport. And I got lost. I turned on the wrong street, and I'm completely lost. And they said, oh, honey, don't worry about a thing, because I had very long blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And they said, don't you worry about a thing. And I said, oh, okay, are you sure? And they said, yeah, follow us. And I said, oh, okay, thank you so much, and so forth and so on. Guess but what? They, but- but, but not they a, took a, me all the way to Hobby Airport. <laughs> and you were on your way to pick up Lou? Yes. <laughs> and it was a long ways, you know. Mm-hmm. And they put me in a parking area, walked me into Hobby Airport. Mm-hmm. One of the officers did. And I was saying, you know, y'all don't have to take me all all the way there now. I, I know where I am now. And blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, honey. You know, at 3 o'clock in the morning, it's too dangerous mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. out and about and all that. So sure mm-hmm. enough, I got upstairs in Hobby Airport, the airport, and I called Lou. Mm-hmm. And he said, where in the world are you? And I told him what happened. And... He said, well, get in your car and come back.
renting a room in this lady's rooming house. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, Lou, um, I don't know. I said, I don't know about that. And I said, you know, if they see me again, they're going to stop me, and they're going to know something's up. They're not, you know. They'll know mm-hmm. something's happening. You don't get right, lost right. in that area all the time. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't care. Mm-hmm. He said, they can bring you to the house here. I don't mm-hmm. care. I want to see you. I'm going to see you. And I'm going to fall madly in love with you. And And that's what happened? And that's what happened. No, well, and I did. I went uh-huh. back, and he was standing out under a tree there in the front yard, and it's dark, of course. Mm-hmm. I, he opened up. I was in my mom's Cadillac. He opened up the door. He slid in the front seat, and I had my hand, like, in in the middle of the, you know, the chair there. It was a one-seater. Mm-hmm. And he put his hand on top of mine, pulled me into his arms, Mm -hmm. and kissed me like I had never been kissed before. (laughs) Well, you can tell the man truly, truly loved you, and it um, shows in so many ways. Now, um, you all being together, um, how many years were you all together? Pardon? How many years were you and Lou together? Oh, my goodness. From then on. We were together. We didn't get so, married then, but mm-hmm. we were we were together for years. We were married uh, like twenty something years, and wow. it was a struggle. It was hard. Now, what made it such a struggle? Is it because of the uh, the uh, racial the the, yes. the, the, the race yes. Now, what some of the experiences everywhere you that we went together, like. Uh, when he left Houston, he was going to Cleveland, Ohio, to work mm-hmm. when he mm-hmm. left. Okay, I go to the airport with him. I'm following the van that's taking him to the airport. But mm-hmm. prior to that, the big thing was, of course, we were in love. We were romancing. I would put a black wig and put black paint on my face. Oh, my goodness. To go into work? the motel. Yes, it did. Worked like a charm. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now, and, um, of course, I could never come out, mm-hmm. you know, unless it was nighttime. So mm-hmm. Lou would, the next day on a Sunday, he would go and buy us soul food and everything. We'd sit in the middle of the bed. He'd call his mom. I'd talk to her. She'd talk to me. Mm-hmm. And then we'd come out at night. Now, when did um when did your dad find out about you all dating, and how did he feel about it? Oh my God, it was horrible. My mother had made it a point to go over to my apartment. I left all my stuff here in Houston, my clothes, my furniture, everything, and my mother took my brother over to my apartment, and she went through my stuff. And I had five pictures of Lou from Capitol Records, mm-hmm. and I still have those pictures to this day with his handwriting on it, mm-hmm. telling me how much he loved me. Wow. And my mother took those pictures, looked at them, 
tore them up, burned them, and then put them down the commode. Oh, my goodness. So it's safe to say they did not take it well at all? Uh, not at all. Wow. So I left on, when went on to Chicago, um, to Cleveland to meet with him. And um, then he got an offer from Capitol or something, and he had to leave. And he left me there with a family that we met there that were um, Mr. and Mrs. They owned a law company there. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful, you know, they had kids and everything, and I stayed with them because Lou had to go on to another date. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have the money for me to be traveling and traveling with him then. Mm-hmm. And so I stayed with Lois and her husband, Harold, mm-hmm. and their kids. And I stayed for a couple of months with them, and then Lou called me and said, I want you to come we're going to get us a place and he was still struggling and I wasn't working because I didn't know anything about Ohio and it was freezing there snow was everywhere yeah, I know that was a cultural shock coming from Houston oh you better believe it baby because it does not snow mm-hmm. in Houston Texas <laughs> now Lana um, <laughs> now let's switch gears for a minute um, we can come back to this but what year did you uh, first meet Sam Cook? Oh, let's see. I met him at Capitol probably three years after I was with Lou, because mm-hmm. Lou was traveling a lot then. Mm-hmm. And um, one night Lou was recording in Capitol, and I was there. And so was Joe Glazer, who discovered um, uh, Saxmo in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were, you know, I was sitting around in there with uh, Bob Glazer and all of them. And Sam was in there, and they were doing a recording. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I walked in there, and Sam was there. And he embraced me and, you know, the whole nine yards. And he said, well, Lou was right. And I said, oh, you're so nice. And, of course, you know, my heart is beating a thousand miles a minute, too. <laughs> so like you anybody a else. Him. Huh? You heard a lot about Sam before you met him. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, his son had, you know, drowned. And there was a lot oh. of sad- sadness oh, wow. going on. Right. But oh, was Sam funny. was wonderful. And him and Lou would play and have to do the song again and again. And then Lou would be singing to me. And then Sam would say, well, let me sing to her, too. And everybody <laughs> in the whole studio was just laughing, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, Bob Glazer was there. And um, it was just fabulous. I mean, it was an air of... Nobody could believe it. It was very light. Him and Sam were kibitzing together and kind of pushing on each other. And Lou would say, don't get too close to my woman. And Mm -hmm. Sam would say, okay. And he'd say, when did you hear about me? And I said, I was dancing to You Send Me when I was 15 years old. 
Oh, my goodness. And he said, oh, my God, then we got something to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) I said, no, we don't have nothing to talk about, Sam. He Mm -hmm. was so nice. His humility Mm -hmm. and everything was incredible. Wow. We come back on our next episode of the Sherrard Show. We've got a very, very special guest that's going to be on. Mr. Sonny Cool is going to be on the Sherrard Show next. I'm Sherrard. Have a great evening. We'll talk soon.